Hello, and welcome to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast, recorded live weekly at our campus in Scottsdale, Arizona, during our normal service. Chubb, I'm happy to be preaching with you this morning. Um, so we've spent the bulk of the last three months looking at the book of James together, and if you've been following along, you've noticed that we're getting closer and closer to the end of the book. And in fact, this is going to be our last week uh, looking at this great little book, and then next week we'll move on. We'll start to look at something new and different. And so I'm kind of sad right now, like we're ending our first sermon series, uh, but that means we get to do new series together and plan out new books and new things to look through. So it's kind of bittersweet. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of mi- with mixed emotions that I'm giving this message. Um, <clears throat> I hope that you've st- enjoyed our study of the book of James. I hope that you've been encouraged by what he has to say. I hope that you've also been challenged by his words as well. Uh, the letter is very short. If you were just to read it just to yourself or even read it out loud, it just takes a few minutes to read, um, but it has a lot of great stuff to say. Um, and as I've said repeatedly uh, throughout looking at this letter, we can generally sum up most of the letter of James with ver- three simple words. Uh, those three simple words of just do it. Thank you. Just do it. The, the Nike-sponsored sermon series. Um, James is telling us to just do it. Just live out your faith. Just do what Jesus tells you to do. Um, and so just do what God wants you to do. Just do it. Uh, because James is so down to earth, and we generally don't need to look that too far into his words for what his application is, it makes it a relatively easy book to preach through. I know as I'm talking to people in seminary or maybe starting out in ministry, I'm like, what an easy book to do, do James. It's challenging, but like, you don't have to like do a lot of tricky preaching stuff. You just kind of like talk about James. It's pretty easy to preach through. And so even though our study of James is ending today, I would encourage you to keep on reading it. Um, even though we're finishing up, keep on reading James. Um, and this final section today is about prayer. And so we're going to talk, we're going to pray, uh, we're going to talk about prayer, and then we're going to end in prayer. And so will you please pray with me right now? Hmm. Dear Lord, we are so thankful uh, for your word. We are thankful for the book of James. We are thankful for uh, him writing it down in his day and age. We're thankful for the preservation of his word throughout the ages. And we're thankful that uh, his word uh, speaks to us even today. Lord, I pray this morning I would indeed be able to preach and proclaim your truth. As always, if I say something that's not of you, let that be forgotten. But ultimately, let us uh, bring you glory and honor and learn to be better disciples uh, through your son. All right, so James ends his letter with a call to prayer. Uh, The section is all about prayer. Uh, The word pray or prayer or praying or prayed, variations of that word, appear in just about every single sentence. And the general gist of these verses is to be praying in in each and every situation. Uh, Whatever is going on in your life, pray. Just do it. Be in the practice of prayer. Are you in trouble? Are you suffering? pray. Are you happy? Are you cheerful? Then sing songs of praise, which are essentially prayers. Are you sick? Call the elders of the church and have them pray for you. Um, Prayers offered for our sins will provide forgiveness. 
And so whatever your situation is, whether it's good or bad, whether you're sick or healthy, whether you're feeling like you've sinned or that you're innocent, just keep praying. And, and prayer is communication with God, and if you want a healthy and good relationship with God, you need to be in the habit of talking to God. And that's true of any relationship. One of the most basic elements of relationships is communication. In a marriage, what's, what do you have to do with your, with your marriage partner? Communicate, talk with them. And when that starts to break down, often that is when problems arise. Uh, if you want to stay friends with someone, you need to keep talking with them. And, and the more we are talking with God in prayer, the more we're studying our Bibles, the more we're <laughs> fellowshipping with other Christians and all that good stuff, that's a good place to be. That's a healthy place to be. And obviously, it's, it's, easy to be, it's easy to become lax in these things or to maybe go through the motions. It's easy to show up in a church, and it's a whole other issue to actually participate and like, have a meaningful time of worship. It's easy to identify as a Christian, to like, check that off in a box, maybe check that off in a survey. <laughs> it's a whole other thing to actually be living out the call of Christ upon our lives. Uh, we live in these crazy, busy, stressful uh, times, and we have all sorts of distractions, all sorts of comforts that seemingly take away our need for God. And many of us maybe get to that point. Sometimes it takes a, like, a, like a tragedy to bring us back to God. Um, maybe ourselves or someone we care about becomes deathly ill, deathly sick. Uh, we go back to uh, God and we pray for health. Uh, we realize we're facing a situation that we cannot control. Uh, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's like a... Um, like an emotional thing or like a marriage problem, and we go back to God and pray that this difficulty will be resolved. Uh, far too often, it's when we're faced with calamity or disaster that we find ourselves enlisted in prayer, when the reality is it should just be a lifestyle, a thing that we embody day in and day out. And so this passage in James calls us to embody a lifestyle of prayer. So whether you're happy or stressed, whether you're healthy or sick, whether you're on top of the mountain or at the bottom of the valley, you know, whatever is going on in your life, uh, that prayer would be a priority there. And I don't say this to make us feel guilty or that maybe, you know, we're not praying enough or anything of that nature. I don't, I don't want us to feel like, oh, man, like, I had a long week. I didn't really pray that much. Like, I, I'm not saying that to make us feel guilty or to guilt trip us. I, I'm saying this because prayer is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. It leads us to a better understanding of God, a better understanding of God's character, and a better understanding of how God would have us live. And so that's what this life is all about, like trying to center our lives in the reality of God, the, the truth of Christ, and like the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And like I think prayer helps with that. And the great thing about God is that, unlike us, God is not complacent. God is very sovereign over our lives. God is always here with us, always reaching out to us. And so if like, oh man, it has been a while since I've prayed, that doesn't matter. If you've literally never prayed a single prayer in your entire life, that's okay because God is always in front of us with open arms. And so uh, that's the God the Bible professes. That's the God we believe in. That's the God we worship. God is here just uh, like with us, wanting to be with us and to uh, pray with us. And so prayer is a beautiful thing. Prayer is a wonderful thing. It keeps us in communication with our loving creator. It helps us understand how our Savior calls us to live. It's a way that the Holy Spirit is real and active in our daily existence. And prayer can be extremely powerful. Or there can be real and true healing and change because of prayer. Uh, James cites Elijah the prophet and how because of his prayers, it did not rain in Israel for three years. 
Uh, we read about this in 1 Kings 17. Ahab is the king of Israel, and the, like the majority of kings before him, he's not a good guy. He's a, he's a really terrible king. He worships Baal. He leads the people to uh, worship Baal. All kinds of idolatry are going on in the land. Uh, Ahab marries Jezebel. She's also pretty terrible. She is not a devout follower of the Lord as well. And so Israel, uh, they're under the covenant with God. And so they're not living up to their end of the agreement. And so they're punished by this three-year drought, which is brought on by Elijah's prayer. And then at the end of three years, Elijah prays, and then the drought is ended as well. So this is drought that's like bookended by Elijah's prayers, which is pretty radical if you think about it. And James uses this example to show just how powerful prayers can be and how uh, good things most certainly can come from prayer. Um, Our prayers can indeed bring forgiveness and healing in our lives. Uh, James uh, seems to indicate that these are two key things brought about by prayer, forgiveness and healing. Our prayers can bring forgiveness. As James says in 15 and 16, if someone has sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. As humans, as people, we often carry around a lot of baggage. Um, It can be hard for us, especially as modern Americans, to admit when we're wrong or maybe when we need help with something. I know that's very hard for me to admit when I'm wrong or when I need help. And and one way to uh, help to get over this is to be in the habit of being honest with our shortcomings and our flaws and to admit when we're wrong about stuff. Um, I know that can be difficult, but there can be real healing through that process. There can be real change through that process when we're open with the things that we struggle with. Um, there's very something, something very powerful about outwardly admitting like, hey, I've messed up in this area. I struggle in this area. Here's something that I'm doing that's wrong. Um, more liturgical traditions, like there's different kinds of churches that exist, and there are like liturgical traditions that have a regular confession of sin as part of their liturgies. And I think that's a really great thing. That's a really beautiful thing. Um, Roman Catholicism, the whole branch of Christianity, has uh, confession built into their systematic structure. Uh, Catholics are supposed to go to uh, confession on a regular basis. And there's even confessional apps that you can download on your phone. I was looking through the app store. There's like a dozen or so of these apps that you can download. And so if you haven't downloaded a confessional app, you should do that. Everyone get out your phone right now and download an app. You have my permission to be on your phone right now. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm sure the, the idea of confession um, versus the actual practice of it uh, varies greatly. A lot of times we have a structure on paper and what it looks like in reality can be two different things. But the fact remains that they have a system in place for talking about personal wrongs, and I think that is to be commended. Um, some folks have the idea of accountability partners. That's something that exists for people where you meet with someone regularly to talk about like, what's going on in, in your life and talk, try to be more intentional and open about things that, are, that you're struggling with. Uh, small groups can also be a place to foster these relationships as well where maybe you get together with a few friends on a regular basis and they're intentional about what the things you talk about. And so our confession of sins, our ability to talk about our faults with others, that's something that's very important to practice. And this, this can help bring restoration. This can help bring wholeness in our lives. Um, prayer can also bring about healing as well. And that's uh, certainly a part of our prayers, that prayers for healing. We often uh, pray for this. And we normally think of physical healing, but it, it could also be mental healing or emotional healing or spiritual healing or whatever type of healing one may need to experience. As James says in 14 and 15, if someone is sick, have, have them call the elders to pray over them to anoint them with oil, 
and that the prayer offered in faith will make that person well. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And th- this passage is, is like, again, James has a lot of things that are like, whoa, what do we deal with that? And this is like kind of ends with one of those things as well, like, ooh, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, this raises a whole slew of questions uh, to our modern ears, including the important ones like, why does James call the elders upon the church? Why doesn't he call anyone? Um, should we still anoint people with oil? Does that make our prayer somehow better or more effective? And probably the most difficult the one to grasp, there's that promise of healing. You know, what does that mean, especially when that doesn't seem to happen? That's the big one. And so I'll dive uh, into those first two questions quickly, and then we'll spend a little bit more time on the third one. So the question of elders, why does James say how the elders of the church come and pray? Why not anyone? And um, my answer to that question would obviously be, I think that we should all be praying for each other all of the time as best we can. That is a given. Like, as a church body, be praying for one another. Like, do that, just do that categorically, do that. And when he says elders, I don't think he necessarily means, like, elders as someone, like, with an official capacity or a role. Like, some churches have, like, elders. We have, like, the pastor here, we have a leadership team, things like that. I don't think he's necessarily referring to someone with a title per se. I think he's talking more so about Christians who are mature in the faith, who are in the habit of praying on a more routine basis, maybe a little bit further along, they kind of get it a little bit more. Remember, James is writing to the first century believers here that the Christianity is brand new. They don't really have much of a backstory here, so they're kind of like the first generation figuring things out. So they think they have some believers that are a little bit further along, and he's saying like, hey, like, Go to those people. They, they've kind of worked out their faith a little bit more and have them be in the habit of praying for you as well. Uh, next question is the question of oil. It says to anoint someone in the name of the Lord with oil. Um, well, I've been here a few months. We haven't done any prayers with oil yet. And that's, what, that's a case with many churches. Um, many churches uh, don't use oil. Some do. And so what do we do about that? Are, are we wrong about that because we don't use oil? The churches that do use oil, are they doing the right thing? Are their prayers better? Are their prayers more effective? Um, and, and my answer to those questions would be that oil is one of those things that's used in the Hebrew Scriptures, that's used in the Old Testament uh, for many occasions. Um, when, they, when a new king would arise, they would pour oil on their head. They would be anointed with it, which symbolized God's uh, special call upon their lives. Now, the word Messiah actually means anointed one. Jesus was God's special anointed one. Oil was used in sacrifices. It seemed, to ha- it seemed to have medicinal value as well. And so I think for us culturally here today, oil has lost a lot of the significance uh, for us as modern people because we, we don't really use it in those forms. Um, oil is a thing that you cook with. It's like just in your kitchen cupboard that you just pour into a pan. Oil is a thing that, you go, that goes in your car and you just forget to do an oil change and your engine blows up. And so oil is like more of a commodity for us like versus like this thing that has like special meaning. And, and some churches, some traditions uh, use oil as part of their routine, and I think that's good. I think that's fine. I don't think we normally do that here, and that's also fine. Um, that being said, I like different traditions. I like trying new things, and if, if, you know, if people are like, we should start using oil here, like, yeah, let's start using oil. I think that'd be a great thing. So if we want to do oil, let's do it. But if you're like eh, that's not really our thing, I don't know, that's kind of weird, that's fine too, like, that's okay. I think oil is one of those things that we can, like, have disagreements on and talk about it, and if we use it, great, and if we don't, that's okay. Uh, But then this leads to the third question, I think the deepest, the hardest question, 
what about those unanswered prayers? Because there seems to be a link between like praying and healing and like, what do we do with that? Because at first glance, it seems to say that the prayers offered in faith will heal, uh, but what about those times when people are not healed? And that's like a very real question. That's a very honest question. I know that we've all likely struggled with that in some form or another. Like I have struggled with that like immensely in my life. Because I've seen prayers like seemingly go answered. I've seen like miraculous and crazy things happen that like, oh my goodness, the only explanation for that can be like a miracle. And God was involved in that. I've also seen ongoing prayers um, unanswered as well. You know, that, that family member, that friend that doesn't get well, that person that rejects their faith, that tragedy that gets worse and worse. Uh, we've all seen those issues and we struggle with how to answer this as well. Like, why do my prayers go unanswered? And if we want to get like technical, technical about it, the prayer has been answered, but the answer is not what we'd like it to be because the answer has been a no. And to be honest, I wish I had a concise and perfect answer to this question because it's, it's one of the more difficult questions a Christian can ask. For 2,000 years, the church has been answered, asking this question. And really, like, even in the Hebrew Scriptures, like, you see wrestling with that in the Psalms a lot as well. And I think it's, it's perfectly okay to be asking that. Um, and if, you, you know, you study things, there, there are answers to the question that can be satisfying, and there's just a lot of bad answers out there as well that are simple and trite and just make things worse. I'm sure you've heard answers that maybe are good and made sense, and you've heard answers that, like, I don't know if I like that. I think I, there, there has to be something better out there. And there are, uh, sadly, too many stories of people that, like, who thought they needed more faith in order to have someone they care about uh, get well. And that is like a soul-crushing place to be, to think that you didn't have enough faith in order to have someone you care about uh, get healthy. Um, somehow that comes back to you and your lack of faith. And so I think we need to be incredibly careful with how we understand and talk about this type of subject. And so I want to pause for a moment, and I want to be very clear. Like, please, 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 please do not ever put yourself in a position where you feel like someone else's healing is dependent upon your faith. Please don't ever put yourself in a position where you feel like your faith like, is dependent on someone else's healing. Your faith or your lack of faith or however you want to describe it will never be the thing that heals someone or does not heal someone. So please don't put your, that upon yourself. Please don't put that upon others. That's just not how it works. And when I look at this text and when I think about the time when it was written, um, if you kind of look at it broadly, James seems to be connecting some types of sickness with the concept of sin. That's, he seems to kind of mix like sin and sickness together here in this passage. Uh, that is to say, in the first century especially, there was this generally held idea by many people in the world that the calamities upon your life, including disease and sickness, were the result of some sort of personal wrongdoing. That was a very popular understanding in that day and age. But we see this actually in the life of Jesus. At one point, one of the disciples, um, they, they, they see a, ma a man on the side of the road who's born blind, and they say like, ooh, this man can't see. Well, who sinned? Was it him or were his parents uh, that he can't see? So there was a connection there, and Jesus is like, no, that's, you guys are missing the point here. And so while not a perfect answer, I think this particular text from James, um, I, I, I think I like the idea of like a with prayers and healing would be that James is speaking, I think, about sin in your life and how that is healed through your prayers. 
And so absolutely, whenever we have stuff going on in our lives and when we're praying for each other and ourselves and like getting rid of sin and the garbage in our lives, those things are absolutely forgiven and like healed through, through our prayers. And so that's, I think, where I would take this text. Not perfect answer. It doesn't go into all the other idiosyncrasies, but that's, I think, a sermon for another day. And so like with most of the, the book of James we've been looking at, there's no special hidden takeaway message for this sermon it's really simple. Prayer. Just do it. Be in the habit of praying whatever that looks like for you. Uh, just do it. Just be praying. It doesn't have to be for hours on end. It's just this ongoing practice, ongoing thing in our lives. Prayer is to be a continual, ongoing practice that we all do. Through the good times and the bad, through the ups and the downs, through the lefts and the rights, through the normal and boring times, and the times that we are very disheveled. Uh, just keep on praying. Just do it. If you're like, okay, I like that. How do I start? You know, like, I, mean, I want to jumpstart this a little bit. There's, there's basic things you can do. You can sign up for like a daily email prayer list. There's all kinds of things you can do. You can get that confession app like I was talking about. If you're driving around by yourself, you know, turn off the radio, turn off the podcast. Just use some of that time to pray. Wake up maybe a little bit earlier, go to bed a little bit later. Use that time to pray. You know, maybe on your lunch break, use that time. Um, you know, we're not in the middle of some long extended series on prayer right now. We're keeping it really simple, you know, develop a habit of praying. And if, you, if you're like, hey, I, I want more on this, you know, we, we want to talk about more about this. We can always do like a sermon series about prayer or something like that. I'm always looking for ideas. So if you're like, we need more, we can dive into it. Uh, but be praying for your family, be praying for yourself, your friends, your church, your neighborhood. Uh, pray that God would be opening your eyes to new ways to see him and embody Christ's love to the world. And so if you right here are here right now or are listening online or listening to this later, and if you are in the regular habit of praying, awesome. Like, keep doing that. Just do it. Keep praying. If you've literally never said a single prayer in your entire life, awesome. You know, today is the day to start. Thank you for listening to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in finding out more about our church, Feel free to reach out to us at any time. Our contact information is provided at www.pbcob.org.